Does manual treasury management and operations have your crypto business stuck in the slow lane? Scale up and speed ahead with Fireblocks, the number one platform for crypto operations and trading pros that makes custody, settlement, and rebalancing quick and easy. Visit fireblocks.com to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Coinbase Prime, an integrated solution that provides institutional investors with an advanced trading platform, secure custody, and prime services to manage all of their crypto assets in one place. Futuristic companies like Tesla and MicroStrategy have used Coinbase's comprehensive investing platform to execute some of the largest trades in the industry. Learn more by visiting coinbase.com prime to get started today. I'd also like to give a shout out to Cross River. Whether you're a crypto exchange, NFT marketplace, or wallet, Cross River's integrated API-based platform provides the payment solutions you need to grow. A CryptoFin industry award winner and an early partner for companies like Coinbase, Cross River's tech stack supports crypto partners and enables real-time money movement for consumers. Welcome to a new world of crypto-friendly banking at crossriver.com crypto. All opinions expressed by hosts and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and not necessarily those of the blocks. Podcast guests may have taken positions in the assets or other matters discussed in this podcast. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. For full terms, visit theblockcrypto.com slash terms dash service. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Scoop. I'm your host, Frank Chapar, Director of News at The Block. And we have joining us today on the other side of the mic from his living room, a return guest, Antonio Giuliano, founder and CEO of DYDX. Thanks for coming on the show again. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's been a while. It's been interesting times for the DeFi market. I was just scrolling through Mr. Joe Weisenthal's Twitter, and this is what I've been sort of thinking about, too, just trying to get a lay of the land for DeFi. His question that he posed was, what happened to the big name DeFi coins that people were so hyped on last year? Link, Ave, Curve, Yearn compound, et cetera, et cetera, down the line, all look terrible. And it's not just a DeFi situation. It's crypto. It's also stocks. If you look at options activity among individual investors, it's down pretty bad. We're far, far away from those sweet, juicy DeFi summers. What happened? Well, I think it's just a product of the crypto cycles that we've seen for a while now. Everybody tends to get really hyped on new things that show a lot of promise. And then I think generally with new technologies, things take longer than people think. And I think people have just a limited amount of attention and enthusiasm. And it's easy to just kind of go on to the next biggest, like most exciting thing. But I think obviously there is still a lot of stuff to be excited about with DeFi and especially a lot of the, you know, quote, blue chip DeFi companies. 
I think are all building really excellent technology for the future. And, you know, we aim to be a really big part of that at DYDX. I think we still have a lot of exciting stuff going on. And fundamentally, DeFi is making a ton of really great product improvements. And I think, you know, it's just important to maintain the the long-term focus that we always try to have at DYDX and kind of weather the cycles as they go. Yeah, I mean, so with that in mind, how do you guys get back to those more heady days of, you know, I'm looking at the data, Jan 2021, Feb 2021, you guys were hitting almost a billion dollars in trading volume that's tapered off. How do we get back to that point? Yeah, and I think there is some fundamental value in DeFi as well. So we're still trading around a billion dollars a day in volume. Just have the app open right now. I think we're at nine hundred million dollars of, of you know twenty four hour trading volume. And I think Uniswap is is in a similar place, if not a bit more. Um, so I think there really is a lot of fundamental activity and value and real product usage that's going on in DeFi. And I think that's what we continue to be excited about. I think for us, like I was saying before, it's just really important, especially internally on the team, to be really long-term focused. We've been around for four and a half years now. We're you know, one of the most OG DeFi companies, and I think we're still early in the DeFi space. And it's really important for us to kind of maintain that mentality of you know, the markets may go down, people may write us off to some level. But really what we're building for is, is five years from now. So it doesn't really matter like what exactly happens on a short time horizon if you're making consistent product progress and you're always building towards that future, which I think we definitely are. I mean, the thesis that people are going to want to engage to some extent with decentralized finance and, and Web3 protocols is, is somewhat justified or there's a stamp of approval from a number of the CFI crypto companies moving in with their own conduits for tapping into this market. We saw news. It's almost like they all announced at the same time. Uh, I'm, I'm sure they were all getting ready to announce and probably saw their competitor hit the wire and they needed to jump in. But we saw Robinhood announce its own non-custodial wallet. Uh, Coinbase is working on something very similar, Ledger as well. So everyone sees that that future exists and is trying to get their foot into the door, so to speak. How do you think that'll shake out with these CFI companies moving in? I'm actually really excited about it. I'm especially excited about Coinbase's news. They basically launched an integration in their normal Coinbase.com, I think, website and app into DeFi. And I think it's really exciting because I think this is one of the, the big first ways that people can interact with DeFi in a custodial way. And that's okay, actually. I think one of the really exciting things about DeFi is that it is a really credibly neutral platform that it makes sense for a lot of different industry participants to integrate with. And people can interact with DeFi in different ways. I think we're certainly early in the markets, like I was saying, and up until this point, most of the interaction with DeFi has been through non-custodial wallets. And that's excellent. I think there is huge benefits of using non-custodial wallets, obviously, in terms of security, transparency. But not everybody needs to use a non-custodial wallet. So I think with players like Coinbase giving access to DeFi to their millions of users in a really easy-to-use way that is custodial, and that's okay, 
but that exists on the platforms that you know the masses are using crypto through. I think it's just going to be a huge magnifier and multiplier in terms of the the types of people and the number of people that can interact with DeFi. And I'm really excited about this. I mean, I've been excited about kind of this narrative playing out for a while now. I thought it would probably take a little bit longer, to be honest, than it did for Coinbase, at least. But it's something that I'm really excited about and I think will be a huge multiplier for DeFi. So you asked before we turned on the mics, what our target audience is here at The Scoop. When you think about the folks who are going to go direct to DYDX, what do they look like? Is that a a smaller category of folks that than those who would sort of find themselves there through a Coinbase or Robinhood? I'd say right now it is, certainly. We have somewhere between uh, seven to 10,000 weekly active traders, I think, right now. So it's certainly smaller in number than if you look at a lot of the centralized exchanges and things like Coinbase, FTX, etc. But we're really pretty much right now, at least, exclusively focused on two types of target customers. The first is a more prosumer type user, probably a user that is familiar with advanced types of trading like derivatives, probably a user that's used FTX or Binance before, and somebody that obviously is pretty familiar with crypto. Right now, DYDX is pretty intentionally not going after you know your friend that bought their first Bitcoin yesterday. That's not DYDX's target customer right now, at least. The second type of target customer that we're going after that we're pretty excited about, and we've actually had a huge amount of success with this over the past couple months, is more crypto institutional traders. And there's been a huge influx of crypto institutional traders into DeFi, especially over the past three to six months, and especially led by DYDX, actually. We've been positioning ourselves as sort of like the stepping stone into DeFi for a lot of these institutions, because I think we've really built a product that is pretty comparable to what exists on centralized exchanges, and intentionally so. We've really tried to build an order book trading model that's familiar to traders, that has a lot of advanced trading types, that has a lot of the features that these institutions expect out of a platform. And obviously, like you were mentioning before, people just remain pretty excited about the future of DeFi long term. And I think a lot of the institutions want to be early adopters of that because they're both excited about it for the long term. And there's pretty significant advantages to being early in a market and just understanding that market better than sort of like your competitors. When it comes to like specifically the perpetual swap, what are some of the benefits of trading that in a decentralized fashion versus a centralized one? Yeah, I think there are a couple of major benefits. The first major one is transparency and security. I usually say kind of the magic of DeFi and the magic of DYDX is that we can take the rules of these very complex financial instruments and quite literally code them into a program that runs on the blockchain. We can open source this program, get it audited, get it verified by third parties. And it's just a really effective way for us to bootstrap trust on the system because kind of for the first time in financial history, we're not sitting here saying, hey, trust us. We promise not to steal your money or screw you over. Instead, it's just trust the code, don't trust us. And I think that that is definitely something that resonates with crypto traders and traders in general in a big way. So I think that that is a huge advantage. Another kind of advantage that we're excited about is more kind of a quality of access over time. Kind of what we're pushing towards with the YDX is with our V4 protocol, the, the protocol will be fully decentralized and it'll just be open source code that's running on a blockchain. 
And I think that that just kind of is the next step in our evolution towards a fully decentralized product and, and something that can give our users uh, just an extra amount of transparency and, and kind of fairness in the system. Mm-hmm. So what is attracting these more uh, institutional participants to the venue? I think there's kind of two major things right now. The first is uh, the, the DYDX token and kind of the, the liquidity mining programs that come alongside that. So there's kind of two major parts of the liquidity mining that happen on DYDX right now. One is targeted more at takers of the platform, and you effectively traders earn rewards in, in the form of DYDX tokens by trading on the DYDX platform right now. And then kind of the second part of the liquidity mining, which uh, I think was pretty innovative, actually, is it's targeted at liquidity providers or more like the maker side. And this has resulted in a huge amount of liquidity on DYDX. Effectively, what uh, the DYDX Foundation did when they launched the token is they kind of came up with this quantitative and and formulaic way of scoring like the quality of liquidity. This is basically a function of trading fees, open interest, weighted to give each trader a score? Yes, exactly. So that's kind of the one that's more targeted at the takers side. Um, So effectively, you take your trading fees that you pay, and then you multiply that by your open interest. And that kind of gives you your score as to how many tokens you'll earn. So you need to be doing effectively organic trading activity and holding positions, trading pretty actively to receive rewards. And then in addition to that, there's a second piece of the liquidity mining which just is targeted at designated market makers on the platform. And it's fair and and equal and everyone can access it. But you basically take things like the spread market makers are quoting at, the the depth they're quoting, things like their uptime, and all the things you really care about to have a good quality of liquidity on the platform. And then you put that into a formula, you score the market makers, buy it, and then they earn pretty significant rewards for providing liquidity to the platform. And this has actually transformed UIDX into one of literally the most liquid crypto exchanges in the world. And not that many people realize this at this point, but our liquidity is pretty comparable, if not often better than FTX and Binance because of kind of this incentivization and this really kind of unique way of rewarding market participants like to remind the audience that liquidity and volume are not the same thing, although they're often conflated as being the same thing. DYDX, it's probably the most liquid book in DEX perps, but what would you say to people who would argue that that maybe comes at the expense of holders of the token? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a reasonable thing to consider, like what is effectively the cost to the network at large of operating these liquidity mining programs. And I think personally that it's super justified, like even if we were just a centralized company operating the network, it makes sense to pay a significant amount and centralized exchanges do this. And we used to do this, you know, back when we were operating a fully centralized order book, at least to pay for liquidity. And it's a liquidity is something that is super important to exchanges, and you can't really exist without it. So you need to bootstrap the network somehow. Now, the question of, okay, we realize we need to, you know, pay as a network some amounts for liquidity, 
how much is the right amount? That's certainly a question that's worth asking. And there's a good amount of debate about this in the DYDX community. But personally, right now, I think we're at the stage where it makes sense from a protocol perspective and kind of even a token holder perspective to pay a pretty significant amount for growth at this point when we're just a lot smaller than some of the other market participants like FTX and Binance. Mm -hmm. And I mean, this is, to your point, a topic that's been debated in traditional market structure for a very long time. The rebates that exchanges kick back to liquidity providers, what is the efficacy of, of those rebates? And to what degree does it maybe introduce weird incentives into the marketplace? It's not really a new dilemma, but for folks maybe coming from that side of the world or of the market, how would you maybe explain the differences betwixt the twain of rebates maybe in traditional market structure and the incentives you, you folks are introducing to your marketplace to bootstrap liquidity? Yeah, it's a good question. And I think it's relatively similar in the way that like the protocol should think about incentivizing its market participants as to how a centralized company would offer rebates to market makers. And we used to do this and, and all crypto exchanges do this. And like you were mentioning, this is super common even in traditional finance where exchanges will often offer rebates to liquidity providers on their platform. And usually they'll enter into contracts with designated market makers saying something like, hey, we'll pay you you know, X thousand dollars per month to quote these 10 markets and provide these particular spreads in, in this amount of depth. Um, and that is kind of a, a good activator for market makers because especially for smaller exchanges, it doesn't necessarily make sense for them to start quoting deep books if there's not a lot of taker volume coming through. But conversely, it doesn't make sense for a lot of taker volume to go through a market unless there's liquidity. Mm -hmm. So you sort of need to start this flywheel somehow and bootstrap this process. And that's how you normally think about it as a regular old exchange. Now kind of fast forward to us at DYDX and kind of the, the more protocol at large, how does the protocol incentivize liquidity? It's effectively uh, like the foundation came up with a really similar kind of scoring metric to what you might expect a a centralized exchange to to kind of enter into with a designated market maker. And the formula incentivizes the very same things. Like I said before, it incentivizes things like spread, like uptime, like depth. And anyone who quotes at least, I believe it's half a percent of maker volume on DYDX right now is eligible for this program. So it's you know not just based on contracts that are entered into. It's a really kind of fair and equitable system where any market participant can become a market maker and you don't have to go through like the, the regular old BD channels to kind of BD your way into a relationship with the exchange. It's, it's, mu- it's much fairer. But it works as well. And effectively what it does is you take the score and multiply your you know, average spread that you're quoting, the number of markets that you're quoting on, the depth that you're quoting. You multiply that by the maker volume that you're doing. All the things that you really want to see uh, as a protocol from a designated market maker, you put that into a score. So you know, maybe at the end of the month, market maker A has a score of 10, market maker B has a score of 1. So you know, therefore, you know, market maker A gets you know, 10 times the rewards that market maker B would get. 
from the token protocol emissions. So I think like this is kind of reflective of one of the ways I think it makes sense to think about just incentives and, you know, more broadly, just financial instruments mm-hmm. that exist in DeFi. Just kind of look at things that have worked in the traditional financial markets and think about a way that it's possible to make those work in a much fairer and more automated way on a decentralized protocol. And I think that's something that the DYDX Foundation did really well when setting up these incentives. The the last thing I'll say about the incentive structure as well is that it's all governed by the DYDX token and the DYDX token holders themselves. And one of the really cool things that's actually happened on the DYDX protocol and with governance specifically in the past couple months has been that some of the biggest participants in DYDX governance are these institutional traders themselves. So mm-hmm. people like Wintermute, people like Sixtent, um, I think a couple other market makers and, and big ones too are posting on the forums publicly, are modifying these incentive structures themselves rather than having to go through a central intermediary. And I think that's something that's really unique and is really exciting about DeFi too. And I think this is like a really good example of the platform itself really being governed by its users in a big way. And the users of DYDX, like I just said in my previous answer, are institutional traders. So that's kind of one of the two main archetypes. And really to see them kind of come together and govern the platform I think is exciting and is something that really doesn't exist in traditional finance. Yeah. And I mean, there's two elements here that make it unique. And from my perspective, pretty cool when compared to traditional markets. One, there's this level of transparency. And then two, this level of community that doesn't exist in traditional markets. Traditional markets, to your point, a lot of the decision-making happens behind closed doors. It's kind of obfuscated by weird, pedantic language. We certainly have borrowed some of that in crypto. And it's a very strange process, right? Like if I wanted to, as an exchange, you know, reintroduce some sort of liquidity scheme, a lot of that is just like backroom conversations with the top clients, the top traders. You kind of come up with something through those conversations, you submit it to the regulator, and then it gets approved. But a lot of those processes are kind of closed off from the regular folks, the like power users of the market, right? You know, retail traders and and the like. And with this, it, it really is cool that you have, you know, institutional like traders, like someone like Evgeny kind of sitting shoulder to shoulder with, you know, maybe a one of the other 7,000 power users on the platform in a way that in traditional markets, they would not be sitting shoulder to shoulder throughout these processes, unless they were like a really big nerd and like tweeting about it on Twitter a lot or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. And anyone can go and look on our forums right now. And that exactly happens. Wintermute, you know, made a post, made a proposed change to one of the incentive formulas. A number of other market makers jumped in, some community members jumped in, I jumped in and, and shared my thoughts. That's all transparent. There was a vote as to kind of what should happen with this proposed change, and then it was eventually passed. But I think just making these processes really transparent and also efficient, right? Mm -hmm. Like this pretty big and significant change to the incentive structure happened in the course of a week or two, and everyone was able to come together and and kind of make a decision for, for what was best for the platform. And I think that's pretty unique. Having trouble keeping pace with the crypto boom? 
When your business is scaling up and your portfolio is growing, you don't want to waste precious time on manual treasury management or settling in rebalancing. Fireblocks can handle that for you with smart, scalable solutions for your crypto business, along with industry-leading security and expertise. They'll take care of the back end so you can focus on the big picture. Visit fireblocks.com to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Coinbase Prime, an integrated solution that provides institutional investors with an advanced trading platform, secure custody, and prime services to manage all their crypto assets in one place. Coinbase Prime fully integrates crypto trading and custody on a single platform and gives clients the best all-in pricing in their network using their proprietary smart order router and algorithmic execution. Futuristic companies like Tesla and MicroStrategy have already used Coinbase's comprehensive investing platform to execute some of the largest trades in the industry. Build a unified investment portfolio with one of the most trusted names in crypto. Learn more by visiting coinbase.com prime to get started today. This episode is brought to you by Cross River. Building the next big thing in crypto? Then it's time to get your fiat on and off ramp solution from Cross River. Whether you're a crypto exchange, NFT marketplace, or wallet, Cross River's integrated API based platform provides the payment solutions you need to grow. Cross River is powering the future of financial services. A crypto fin industry award winner and an early partner for companies like Coinbase, Cross River's tech stack supports crypto partners and enables real-time money movement for consumers. Welcome to a new world of crypto-friendly banking. Request your fiat on and off-ramp solution now at crossriver.com crypto. One question I ask a lot of protocol heads or DeFi leaders is it is in an ideal world very powerful to kind of be driven by, you know, a community or a collective voice, but it's also hard to get everyone on the same page when there are too many cooks in the kitchen. When I cook, I don't like when anyone's in there. It's It, it actually gives me more anxiety than most of the other things in my life. I, everyone needs to leave. I need to be left alone. If you need to come in, don't leave me alone. So how do you balance maybe egos or people who are maybe not participating enough, right? That can also be an issue. And all these sort of more human elements that might detract from where we want the code to be. Yeah, it's a great question. And I think this is something that honestly is very much unsolved in DAOs to this point, but we like to think of ourselves at DYDX as kind of a leader here. I think there's kind of two main points. First of all, just making sure that the actual users of the platform are really aligned with those that are kind of holding the tokens and therefore making the decisions, I think is important. And if you have just much better overlap between those who have a vested interest in the protocol and those who are making the decisions, uh, the decisions will be better. And then I think the second thing is sort of a more human element, like you were saying, I think there do need to be leaders in DeFi protocols. 
and that's okay. And I think people, like you mentioned, like Evgeny at Wintermute and kind of their whole team have proven themselves as like a thought leader in DeFi and are very respected in terms of like when they post on the forums, like people will look, right? It's not just somebody random that posts some random change to the formulas. You know, I, I like to think of myself as a DYDX community member. Like I was saying, like I jump in on the forum sometimes and, and give my thoughts as, as a community member. And hopefully, like I'm explaining myself well, hopefully, like, you know, my arguments are, are well-reasoned and therefore, you know, hopefully people listen to me or, or other leaders in this space. But I think it's kind of a change in terms of like, what does it mean to be a leader? Like for me, it's it's not like I'm the leader of like the decisions that get made on DYDX anymore because like, damn it, I own, you know, 30% or whatever of like the shares. So like you have to listen to me because like I control the board or whatever. It's like, no, like instead it's like, you know, we trust Antonio because he has the best interest of the protocol at heart. He has a good history of like making well-reasoned decisions, and we expect that to continue in the future. And also, it's just like a good platform for other leaders to emerge as well, even outside of kind of the core team working on things. You know, mentioned people like the trading firms that are uh, taking a really big active leadership role. There are some community members that will sort of like bring data into the discussion, but I think it's still the same problem, right? Like you need to come to a consensus on what the best path forward is. And I think a lot of times that does require leadership, but I think DeFi protocols just sort of change the narrative and change like the opportunity for like what it means to be a leader of a protocol and make that like much more equitable. What makes for a good protocol politician? I mean, I think in my opinion, it's just like being trustworthy, basically. And, you know, people like to talk about like, oh, like DeFi is like trustless in a big way. And I think in a, to a certain extent, it certainly is like the code itself is is trustless. But, you know, the, the more human side and the decision making aspect of what is the protocol actually doing is very much reliance on, you know, who's trustworthy, like who should we trust, like not every voter is going to look into oh, what exactly is you know the proposed changes to this formula like how is that going to affect the distribution for who's you know receiving rewards etc cetera, etc cetera. probably they're just going to be like oh okay like i've seen evgeny on twitter and you know hmm. everything that he says seems to be pretty well reasoned seems like you know stand up dude seems like he has like the best interests of dydx at heart whatever, you know, causes him or whoever else to be trustworthy. So I think it's just about building that trust and kind of that brand over time. And then I think that, you know, pays dividends in the long term, right? Like why, you know, it's not all about Wintermute, but just taking them as an example, like why is Wintermute seen as just like a really trustworthy player, at least, at least from my perspective in kind of the DeFi space? because they're really long-term focused, right? They've been trading on DYDX with us for over three years now. Again, they you know, make really rational and well-reasoned decisions. And I think that sets them up to have a good amount of impact on the protocols that they're trading on long-term and a really good amount of understanding on it too. So it's kind of a positive feedback loop in terms of it's good for the protocol itself and it's good for them, right? Because they can you know, have a good amount of influence over the platforms that they're trading on. There could be other community members, you know, that that potentially just come out and make really well-reasoned arguments 
you know, that are endorsed by other leaders of the protocol. And I think it's just a good platform for kind of leaders to emerge and prove themselves as trustworthy, especially when everything is happening out in the open and everything's very transparent. How do you see large retail brokers, maybe crypto exchanges, leveraging the liquidity that you folks have built up on your platform? Do you see them tapping into it to some degree or routing orders in the same way that they would to a centralized venue? Yeah. So I think this is something that is happening a bit on DYDX right now, but that we're excited about expanding this a lot in the future. I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense for you know more of the, the prime brokers in the space to route to wherever the most liquid markets in, in crypto are. And, and like I was saying before, DYDX has emerged as one of the most liquid markets in crypto. So we are in talks with a number of them. I think there is a, a bit of activity that's going on there right now. But it's sort of like you know the same a similar process to what happened with a lot of the trading firms over the past three to six months, where everybody is you know nominally excited about DeFi long term and, and can see how it could potentially be a really big impactor of financial systems in general. But it's still early in the DeFi space, and I think it, it takes time for things to build up over the long term. So we're in talks with them, but nothing like huge moving there quite yet, but I'm excited about that for the long term. But what does it look like? Is it, will those relationships be brought to the community? If let's say Genesis wanted to route some orders through DYDX, is that a decision that the community would make or, or is it sort of open? What are the mechanisms behind that? Yeah, so I think there's two things. I mean, the platforms themselves are are pretty open, right? So it's definitely possible for anybody to start building on DYDX without anyone's permission, without, you know, the community's permission, our permission, whatever. So they could just decide to do it by themselves. A lot of times when there are integrations with kind of other institutional type players in terms of prime brokers and stuff, it does require a certain amount of lift on the engineering like BD product, potentially incentive side for it to make sense for those players to integrate. And I think that's absolutely something that will move more towards like the ownership of the protocol and the token holders over time. We haven't seen this play out on DYDX yet, but sort of, you know, maybe just walking through a, a thought experiment here, like it's certainly possible that like a Genesis could you know, post on the forums or, you know, engage with the community and be like, hey, you know, we see that UIDX is one of the most liquid perp markets. We're excited about DeFi. You know, we want to integrate for XYZ reasons. We need, you know, XYZ features to be built. Potentially, we want like this amount of incentivization. And this should be worth it for you protocol because, you know, Genesis will bring, you know, however many millions of dollars of volume per day in trading volume. So I absolutely think that it's something that will move more towards sort of like the transparent public sphere over time. But we do still have the core team working on DYDX right now, and I think are in somewhat of a hybrid mode, where we are engaging with a number of these players in in a more sort of just traditional way. Mm -hmm. But I think that'll move more towards the, the sphere of community ownership over time. Looking to the future, what's going to be the catalyst that's going to rev the engine back up for DeFi markets, for DeFi projects. Going back to maybe Joe Weisenthal's tweet, is it macro? Is it 
broader stability in the crypto market overall. We already have tokens. We can't you can't do another DYDX token. Yeah. That's probably what the last catalyst was, but now that that has kind of you know, made its course. Yeah. For sure. And I think the thing is about tokens and the liquidity mining emissions, both for us and for a lot of other players in the DeFi space, is that it's not just a one-time thing. Like the introduction of it, totally agree. That's like a one-time thing, but you can continue to iterate on those programs over time. And the ones on DYDX are currently slated to last for over four years uh, still. And I think probably the biggest thing that will catalyze DeFi for the long term is a lot harder than just to integrate the integration or the launch of, of a token. And I've always been saying this since day one, but I think like the real growth for, for DeFi and any new technology for that matter has to come from the products themselves being 10x better mm-hmm. in, in some regard than like uh, what came before. And I think, you know, to be honest, we're not quite there yet at DYDX and sort of like the token rewards are, are bridging that gap somewhat. I think we have gone much farther, in my opinion, towards building a really excellent product than pretty much anybody else in DeFi, but we still have a, a lot of work to do there. So, and, and I think it's it's a real timing play for us at DYDX. And I think, like I was mentioning before, we're still very early in the markets. One of the things that continues to excite me about building DYDX and building in DeFi is that the underlying technology that we're building on continues to improve exponentially in a lot of metrics that actually matter for the product. So it Mm -hmm. continues to increase exponentially in the number of transactions that can be processed per second and the latency that uh, the system can offer and like the decentralization of the entire platform. And I think those are things that we're continuing to iterate on on DYDX. And then at the same time, just building out our you know user interface. For example, one of the things that we launched there pretty recently that we're excited about is a mobile app that can be used for trading on DYDX. And I think that's a pretty big opportunity for us. But just like building products is hard in general, and it's even harder when you're building on a really new experimental technology and it takes time and, you know, the the technology increases over time. So I think there will be a little bit less of like, you know, catalytic moments probably for for us going forwards rather than like, oh, you know, maybe a year or two from now, like, wow, like DYDX's product is actually super legit now. And it has like, you know, most of the features or whatever that FTX offers and it's fully decentralized and it's transparent. And wow, all these like liquidity mining rewards are happening. Okay, wow, like maybe this is actually better than trading on, on a centralized exchange for whatever reasons that I care about. And sort of individual players and individual, you know, institutions and users making that decision independently and that kind of building up over time. But yeah, I don't think there is sort of any more, you know, quote, like free lunch or like easy wins. After this, it has to be like we and the rest of the DeFi space are really creating value, are truly building products that are, you know, 10x better for whatever like traders care about uh, than, than kind of what came before. And I think that's possible. And I think we're already making and have made a lot of really excellent strides towards that in the past year, but that it's, it's something that continues over time. So when you think about the mobile app, in your opinion, what makes it better than the mobile app of uh, Coinbase or FTX or whatever have you? Yeah. 
So I think kind of two major things, and the first is that it's really DeFi first, and, and we talked about a lot of the advantages in terms of transparency, you know, fairness, the quality of access, and, and such. I think the other thing in crypto is that nobody has really nailed a great trading app in crypto yet. I think the desktop trading experience in crypto has seen a ton of innovation and is pretty good at this point, mm-hmm. to be honest especially on places like FTX and Binance. But nobody's like really nailed a great app, like sort of like a Robinhood quality app for trading in crypto yet. And I'm not going to sit here and say like, hey, we've already built like the Robinhood of crypto trading because that is something that takes a while to build up and will continue to iterate on the product over time. But I think it is something that, you know, we really reimagined what should the trading experience look like for crypto. And it's not easy, right? Like there is a reason why most professional traders and and kind of even prosumers use a desktop experience. There's just a ton of information about what's going on. You want to see all the order books. You want to see all the metrics about your position. You want to see, you know, trading view charts, et cetera, et cetera. And condensing all that information into a mobile app is challenging. I think the Coinbase app does a really good job of not trading, but kind of more buying and holding of crypto. And that's really what it's targeted at. And that's a huge market. It's just not really the market that we're playing in at DYDX right now. But really sort of the active trading market, I don't think anybody is really nailed yet. And I think there's a big opportunity there for us even to, to kind of go out and compete with centralized exchanges on a shorter time horizon. And how does V4 then fit into this as a potential specific catalyst for DYDX's growth? Yeah, so for V4, really the goal of what we're trying to build there is building a fully decentralized version of DYDX. So kind of the way DYDX works today is it's what's called hybrid decentralized. So of course, we have smart contracts, and those are all open source running on the Ethereum blockchain that give everybody the great advantages in terms of transparency and and security. We also run some centralized services on top, things like the order book, things like the matching engine, all go through our servers like a centralized exchange would on, on AWS. And really what we're building with V4 is that after V4, we at the DYDX company will no longer run any services that are kind of required for the operation of the protocol. Mm -hmm. And we'll really kind of get more to a point where like a Uniswap or like a compound is today, where every aspect of of what they built is, is just open source code. And that's where we want to get to as well. I think once you get to that point and you get to a point where the community literally owns every aspect or controls every aspect of the protocol, there is a, a really big opportunity for you know things to be built on top of it, for you know different players to, to come in and, and integrate with it. And I think just the transparency and security of the protocol increases in a really big way, as well as the kind of fairness and, and the quality of access as well. Totally. Well, sir, really appreciate you coming back on. I think a lot of people will find respite in the plans that you have and that DeFi isn't dead, hopefully. Where can our listeners learn more about what you guys are working on? Yeah, well, thanks so much for having me. It was a great conversation. Uh, If you'd like to learn more about DYDX, you can check out our website, dydx.exchange. Links to our Twitter there, um, links to our Discord if you'd like to come and ask any questions, um, but please follow up there. Perfect. Well, thanks again, ladies and gentlemen. We are so lucky to have had 
Antonio Giuliano, founder and CEO of DYDX, join us. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks again. The Scoop will be back for you again with another great guest. Have an amazing day.